0: This is the Rent Festing Podcast with Peter Mastriani. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Rent Festing Podcast. It's Peter Mastriani, and this week I'm going to be doing a solo cast off the back of last week's show with Jonathan Preston. I received a number of emails from you, the listeners, wanting more details on the lending space to really help determine their own ability to secure finance over the short to medium term. Now, I do enjoy podcasting, but unfortunately, it doesn't pay the bills. And my main business is loans only, where we concentrate on providing investment finance solutions. We're at the coalface with our clients, really just to help consistently navigate what's becoming an increasingly complicated lending market. Policy is changing on a daily basis, and there's increasing fears that the fallout from the Royal Commission could really cause house prices to fall. Now, doing a quick scan of some recent headlines, we've seen all the major banking economists come out and recently share their views. UBS is indicating that access to credit will tighten, impacting future house price growth. Median residential property prices in Sydney and Melbourne are expected to drop by $1,000 a week this year, in addition to falls in 2019, and that's according to Shane Oliver, Chief Economist for AMP Capital. Shane was also a recent guest on the Reinvesting podcast, so go back and hear his opinions on where the market could potentially be heading. Another article indicates that 1 million Australian households are estimated to be in mortgage stress. Now, that's according to Digital Finance Analytics Mortgage Stress Update for March 2018. For me, that's just a lot of noise. And I say noise because there is a lot of things that are happening in the background which impacts on your ability to borrow. Last year, there was APRA coming in and micromanaging the lenders. Now that the Royal Commission has started, there's no doubt going to be further changes to come. The main change that I'm expecting to see out of the Royal Commission is that banks are going to do more due diligence when it comes to complying with responsible lending parameters. Now, these changes are largely outside of your control. So today, I'm going to walk you through some of the changes that are actually taking place. That's the stuff that's outside of your control, but is certainly going to impact you. And secondly, I'm going to talk about some of the stuff that you can actually control to put you in the best position to continue to grow the largest asset base you can with the money that you can afford. Changes really started to come into place last year with APRA's micromanagement of the lenders. And look, APRA isn't going away anytime soon. The reason that they're hanging around is that they're really trying to reduce Australia's household level of indebtedness, which is now one of the highest in the world. Key to this is really their mandate to push an agenda of making principal and interest repayments, which is a way of implementing some forced savings within the marketplace. And there's been a stack of other changes that have also taken place, which I believe that the nitty-gritty stuff has probably had a bigger impact on your overall ability to borrow. And it's quite likely that there's going to be more nitty-gritty in terms of policy changes coming into place, which will actually make it even harder or restrict your ability to secure credit into the future. One of these changes that's being heavily scrutinized at the moment is living expenses. Lenders are now requesting day-to-day statements from your transactional accounts and your credit card statements for the past three to six months with your home loan submission. If the loan is actually sitting within LMI territory, they can ask for the last 12 months worth of account conduct statements. This week I almost had a home loan decline because there was one late payment on a credit card by four days, mind you, six months ago. Now, account conduct is really, really important. So, it pays to pay your bills on time. If you have direct debits attached to an old account that really isn't monitored, it's best to, you know, check it out and see that that account doesn't fall into a negative balance. Essentially, you just really want to be a a model banking citizen. Now, there's been some big changes regarding assessment rates. Most Buffer rates are now sitting between 7.25 to 7.5%. There's only one lender out in the marketplace that's still actually assessing at actual rates. The major's capacity has really dropped significantly. Interest only, lenders are becoming you know increasingly interested regarding your intentions as to why you're actually choosing this product and when you actually intend to pay the loan back. So you know more extensive notes and explanations are required by brokers for their submissions regarding interest-only home loans, particularly if it's interest only on an owner-occupied basis. Banks are really tightening up within that space. There's new income assessment ratios that have also crept into the the overall credit assessment process. And a big one at the moment, which is hugely frustrating for everyone involved, is time. The assessment process is taking a lot longer. One of the majors is currently taking 12 days just to pick up a file. There are some that are processing at 5. A quick assessment is now considered 48 hours, and at 48 hours, that needs to be pretty squeaky clean for that to happen. Usually means that there's good servicing in place by PAYG income, and the deal needs to be sub-80%. So if you're purchasing a home and you intend to put a pretty sharp seven-day finance clause in place... I would say check with your lender that you're going to to see if that's actually going to be realistically achievable to complete on. There is also interest rate differentials, and this is causing a bit of a dilemma for investors because the RBA hasn't actually raised the cash rate in, like, ages, yet there's an obvious pricing difference between the two products. The gap between interest only and principal and interest for investors with some lenders is about 50 points on their basic style products. And it's about a full 1% difference on principal and interest for owner occupiers and investors on an interest only basis. So the dilemma is, you know, if you have non-deductible debt, it's whether or not you should actually choose to pay the higher interest rate in the investment interest only space to maximize the reduction and focus on reducing the non-deductible interest. Now, for most people earning more than $37,000 and paying $0.32 and cents in the dollar to tax, I would say the answer in most cases is still probably yes. Getting back $1 in three from the taxman means that the true investment rate is still probably going to be lower than the owner-occupied P&I rate due to the tax offset of the interest cost. Therefore, it does make sense to pay interest only until the non-deductible debt is actually paid off. However, what I will say is that it actually just depends. It depends on your own personal circumstances. It depends on what you've got going on in your life at that particular point in time. It depends on what you aspire to create from your investment portfolio in the future. There's actually a mathematical calculation that that goes into deciphering What could be a better option for you? So if you're interested in going through that exercise, I would encourage you to get in contact with me directly at peter at loansonly.com.au. We can set aside some time and we can get down to the nitty-gritty to determine what you would be better off actually paying. Now, in terms of some other changes that are taking place, there's a lot of difference around income interpretation. So if you've got some variable forms of income like commission payments or bonuses or allowances or overtime and and things of that nature, it pays to shop around because Different lenders have various policies around this. Not all lenders are willing to accept 100% of that actual payment. So it goes to, to shop around and align yourself with lenders willing to take 100% of that, particularly if you need to you know, uh, leverage into those higher borrowing capacities. There's also been a lot of restrictions around cash out or or equity releases. Look, banks are more than willing to do this. However, there's a lot more questions or limitations that actually can be placed around the amount of cash out. For one example, there's one lender that I have on my panel and they they don't have a, a limit to the cash out amount, but they'll hold the money on trust to be released on evidence of statements or invoices. So if you want a hundred thousand dollars for a renovation, they will release forty thousand and they'll top draw the other sixty. So you need to show them an invoice for the work that you want to do before they're willing to release that next uh, payment that you hold on to. So really you you want to align with uh, lenders that they're gonna have some more flexibility around what they're prepared to accept around the acceptable purposes for the cash out and you know aligning with lenders that have an investment purposes cash out policy is is probably your better bet of where you want it to go. Rentvesting.com.au is proudly in partnership with Loans Only, Australia's leading investment lending specialists. Visit them at loansonly.com.au So if there's a restriction on borrowing capacity, what's the impact actually gonna be on property? Well, if there's less flow of money into the market, you would logically think the value of growth is gonna be diminished, which appears to be the case in markets like Sydney that have now really come off the boil. What I will say is, Why all the fuss? It's been so good for so long. The thought of the market shifting to normal will, you know, no doubt bring out the doomsdayers, but this is where the opportunities actually lie. Property investment is a long term game, and we've just been through one cycle. To be successful in the game, you're going to need to go through several cycles, which means that there's going to be interest rate rises, interest only caps, potentially negative gearing changes, loan to value ratio restrictions, and blah, 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 blah. It's just noise. The focus should be on what you can control. Is it frustrating? Yep, absolutely, no doubt about it. However, what works in your favor is that the lending space is incredibly competitive. Banks, ultimately, they're money shops. Yes, you may require a little bit more digging. Yes, you may have to pay a little bit of a higher interest rate to achieve the right solution. But, you know, that's why you work with an investment-focused broker who really understands the policy landscape and knows where you're going to be able to get the deal done. As I've mentioned in previous podcasts, there are three factors that determine everything about your mortgage, one of which is the interest rate. The second is the amount of money, actually outstanding, so the principal amount being how much you've actually borrowed. And the third one is the length of time or the amount of time outstanding to actually pay back that debt. Now, there are also three main product solutions that are available in the marketplace. One is a basic product the second is a package product and the third of which is a line of credit facility and these all relate to residential investment lending. So there's three main variables, there's three main products and there's a thousand different ways to dress each of them up. Of these three factors there is one that you absolutely have no control over yet is where the lenders want to keep your focus and that is the interest rate. So why would that be the case? Well Home loans are actually very profitable for the bank if you didn't know this. The average lifespan of a home loan is less than four years. That means that you know every four years ago, something happens within a person's life to change their loan structure. They wanna do renovations, they wanna buy an investment property, they, they wanna shop around and try and achieve a, a cheaper interest rate. But does anyone know where the majority of the interest is actually charged in a loan? I'm going to tell you it's actually at the start around the first seven years of your mortgage you're mainly just paying interest as your home loan is actually forward loaded now the biggest mistake that i see people make in the marketplace is that they're four years into a 30-year loan they refinance to save of a percent, thinking that they're doing the right thing by getting the cheapest interest rate. Yet, they make the crucial mistake of taking the loan out for another 30-year loan term. Essentially, what they've done is just restart the interest clock, and then they wonder why it is that they're not actually paying off the debt. It's madness. So, to give you a quick example, let's say you've got a $500,000 home loan and you're making principal and interest repayments at 5% over 30 years, the total interest payable is $466,000 over the life of that loan. Now, if you just made one simple change, so 500,000 principal and interest repayments at 5% over 25 years, the total interest payable is 376,000. Now, your repayments are going to obviously be slightly higher But you've actually paid less than $90,000 interest in the term of the loan. You smashed your mortgage by the amount of money that you save over the life of the loan, not the short-term interest rate reductions. The amount of time that you take to pay back your loan is something that's in your control and it's something that you really need to pay attention to, opposed to an interest rate which is where the banks actually want to keep your focus but it's outside of your control. Lending options are always going to be available allowing you to continue to shape your portfolio and your portfolio is a business. All great businesses need great people and as a property investor, that means business partners and your business partners could be your mortgage brokers, your accountants, your solicitors, your buyers, agents, you know, your property team. Now, a good business partner can rapidly speed up your success. So, if you are looking at securing finance in the next 6 to 12 months, I would recommend that you get in touch with your business partners, start asking some questions about your current circumstances, start auditing your accounts start you know working with your team to put in the right plan for the future growth of your portfolio so if you're looking at things from a lending perspective i would suggest to you know do that audit to ascertain whether or not you actually have good cash buffers in place and that may include looking at refinancing for some equity releases you know, do an audit on your interest rates. Are they actually competitive? You know, when are your interest only periods expiring? When are your fixed rates expiring? What would be the impact if you moved from interest only to principal and interest on your cash flow? One that's very important that I highlighted earlier is what's your account conduct like? Do you actually pay your bills on time? Are you making your credit card repayments on time? If you're working towards buying your first home and you're building up your genuine savings, is, is that pile of cash actually increasing on a month-to-month basis? You know, are you actually genuinely saving any money? Or perhaps are there old accounts around that have been dormant that still have a PayPal account linked to them that are actually putting that account into negative territory on a regular basis? Should they just actually be closed? Another thing that I would suggest that you scrutinize is actually your living expenses. You know, do you actually have a realistic budget in place that you stick to? You know, do you actually have day-to-day and credit card statements that you can produce that actually reflect what you're spending in your household? So, if you haven't done this in a while, do a self-audit and make sure your budget aligns to what you're actually spending. That's it really, you just need to be a model banking citizen which just means paying your bills on time, making sure that your commitments are paid when they fall due. Just putting a little bit of money aside for the future is, is what's actually required. The main thrust of what I'm getting to here is that you really just need to understand your ability to secure finance and hold on to your property for the long term. If you haven't had your current situation reviewed by an investment-focused broker, I would really encourage you to reach out to myself directly at peter.loansonly.com.au or you can talk to one of my team. Happy to put some time aside into the diary. We can go through your current lending structures. We can provide an update on what your current borrowing capacity would be based on the current structure and income that's coming into the household. We could also outline some simple changes that you could actually make to set yourself up for a better standing for long-term borrowing growth. Let's get realistic. No one wakes up wanting to get a loan. You wake up thinking that you want to get ahead. You think about building assets to retire on and sit pina coladas on the beach. The problem is, is that people and myself, we always go out and we find the property or the investment vehicle and then we try to find the finance for it only to be disappointed. Borrowing money is a serious business, and through our approach, I would always recommend that you do the work up front to create a no surprises based environment and make you investment ready as often as you can to strike while the iron is hot. And that is truly the hallmark of any great investor. So get in touch with me, Peter at loansonly.com.au. With less people in the marketplace, there will be better buying opportunities. Didn't Warren Buffett say, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful? So take a leaf out of this old boy's book and be investment ready as often as you can. Property is a long-term game and you want the benefit of being in the game for multiple cycles. Until next week, here's to your success. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening in to another episode of the Rentvesting Podcast. We'll continue bringing you the latest investment strategies and news. So stay updated by subscribing to the podcast and by utilizing the free resources at rentvesting.com.au. If you do genuinely enjoy the podcast, please leave a rating and review. Mightn't seem important. However, it helps us more than you think. Here's to your investing success. rentvesting.com.au Rethink, reinvent, rent